wonderful, wonderful. Praise God. Wow. God is in the house. Amen. I want to say it's, uh, I believe God wants to just do awesome things in our midst because God is awesome. And uh, God is just so wanting and willing to, to just break out in our lives in a new way. Hallelujah. And one of the things I'd like us to do right now is, <clears throat> is just, uh, just to lift up our hearts. Uh, you know, there's been some just, uh, what, what a wonderful presence of God. Lift up our hearts in thanksgiving. You know, but for the grace of God, I would probably be dead today. You know, teenager on drugs, hitchhiking in the two o'clock in the morning and stoned a lot of the time. And, and uh, when I cried out to God as a single mum with a three-year-old daughter, started to hang out with the bad crowd again. My little girl's friends were all adults. And I asked Jesus into my heart. Someone told me about Jesus, that he was real. I knelt by my little girl's bed and I said, God, if you help me raise this child so she doesn't turn out like I did, I'll serve you all the days of my life. And I thank God. I thank God for her life today. I thank God for many things. And I just want us just to spend a few minutes just lifting up a heart of thanksgiving. Because I was... Thinking about Jonah there. Jonah is a pretty tough character, pretty strong-willed, doing his own thing. And they actually had to throw Jonah overboard. And I don't know about you, but I would have started repenting as soon as I saw Jaws coming. <laughs> but he was in the belly of that whale for three days. He's a stubborn coot. And he lifted up his heart. I've met people en route the third and fourth whale. Not a pretty sight. I want to say tonight, wherever you are, God is wanting us to wholeheartedly surrender to him and redeem our life for a great destiny. Amen. And so it says that Jonah in the belly of the whale lifted up his voice with praise and thanksgiving. It says, he who goes after his own way forsakes his own mercy. I want to say there's mercies that are new every morning. Sometimes we, have, we haven't tapped into them. But I just sense the heavens are filled with mercy tonight. New mercies, new breakthroughs, new miracles. I want us just to lift up our hearts and, and, and just, just thank God. You, I know you have thankful hearts, but let's just take a few minutes just to express that ex with an extravagant heart. Lord, we just want to thank you today. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for dying on the cross. We thank you for our families. We thank you for our children. Father, we thank you that you're faithful to us every day. Lord, we thank you for the many blessings that, that just come and, and, and Lord, that they're just there automatically. Lord, we just thank you for your goodness, oh God. Thank you that you're a Savior. Thank you that you changed lives. Thank you, Lord, that you're willing and wanting to pour out your spirit at every opportunity. Lord God, we thank you tonight. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Give thanks. We give you thanks, oh God. Oh, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Why don't you give everyone about you a high five, at least five people a high five. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. God bless you. That was awesome. I'll just let the keyboard stay for a little while. Praise God. Well, it is, has been an awesome time. I have absolutely loved it. I want to say this. It's a great honor to be in um, Bay Center. What is the name of this church? <laughs> I know it's the Bay Church. <laughs> Jesus Center. But I want to say that um, we absolutely love Pastor Mike over at Worship Center. And uh, I had, you know, I'd heard, heard about this church and I'd heard about Pastor Mike and Joy for many years. And it was like there was this notoriety and there was almost like a bit of a, a fear of the Lord, you know. <laughs> this guy casts out devils left, right and center. 
And then I had a lady at uh, Worship Center come up. She said, you've got to hear Mike. He is just the amazing, most amazing preacher. He's got the whole package happening. And he would be our most favorite speaker at Worship Center. And uh, we're so excited because he's back in October. And that's just going to be awesome. And, uh, you know, I, I know that even Pastor Clark was saying that there were people there that he had prayed for and not been able to see a breakthrough. But just when Pastor Mike prayed for them, they were just set free. And so we're just so excited and we really appreciate the relationship. And, and I've had a fabulous time with the women. And, and uh, you know, since I've, I've, I've arrived, I've been just pampered, looked after. I've got this big basket of fruit and nuts and chocolates and... <laughs> And all sorts of goodies that, um, yes, I'll be going home to go on another, once, once again, another diet. <laughs> Actually, I'm anorexic. <laughs> they say if you're anorexic, you look in the mirror and all you see is fat. So I must be anorexic. <laughs> Sorry, that was a bit naughty. And look, I don't want to be facetious because on a more serious note, if you're here tonight and you've ever been affected by eating disorders as a teenager I was bulimic for years before they gave it a nice name and I struggled with so much uh, self-rejection and uh, so I want to pray for people tonight to be set free and um, but anyway I um, I do have a joke to tell is that okay if I tell a joke (laughs) I don't have the one that I was going to bring but um if there's any Irish here, I apologise in advance. <laughs> oh, yay! Paddy and Mike. Paddy and Mick. <laughs> We're going to the mines to get a job. And so Paddy goes in and he goes and the, the um, employer says, well, um, we need someone uh, who's able to go down in the mines. How far down in the mines have you been? And Paddy says, uh, 300 feet. And, he's, uh, and the employer and the, um, said, well, we actually need someone who's been down further than that. So as Paddy's walking out, he says to Mick, Mick, you better tell him you've been down further than 300 feet if you want the job. So he's sitting there before the employer and he says, um, and, and, and how, how far have you been down, Mick? And Mick says, I have been down 3,000 feet. So 3,000 feet. He said, what did you do for light down there? He said, I only work, work the day shift. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> but I want to say it's been a fabulous time. I've loved all the, um, the the heart that's in the women as we came together, and the um, and of course the um, the country and western singing was outstanding, and and your special mess, uh, you know visit from Dame Edna Everidge. I was totally upstaged, and uh, the worship team have been just fabulous and. And uh, all the preparations, I want to say it's, it's just been an honor and a privilege to be here. And uh, so thank you. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles. Uh, just be prophetic. Turn anywhere. Louise. <laughs> thank you. Praise God. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> I like this. Could you travel with me? You make me look good. <laughs> Thank you. God bless you. This morning, this morning, (laughs) tonight, don't forget to turn the lights out, someone. (laughs) We may be the last man standing. I really am uh, happy to pray for people. If you've come for prayer, um, this is my last night, so if they take me out on a stretcher, that's okay. (laughs) But um, I want to speak tonight about a particular area that I believe if we can get a handle on it, we can fast track our destiny. And I want to speak about handling the AQ level in our life. Now, in the, in the world today, we have a, a, you know, a, a, an understanding of IQ. That's something that blondes don't have, but pray, moving right along. <laughs> IQ is the intelligence quota. Amen? Now, they talk about the EQ level. The EQ is the emotional quota, the ability to make short-term decisions based on long-term benefit. They even did tests to see the, a, the EQ capacity even in children. And what they did was they did, they did sort of experiments where they would put, you know, like a four- or five-year-old, you know, um, in a room with a plate and a piece of cake. 
maybe a lemington or chocolate. They said, now, if you could sit there for five, ten minutes and not eat that, we're going to come back and give you a present. And so some kids, as soon as the person went out of the room, they, you know, and others took about two minutes before they grabbed the chocolate or whatever it was. There were some there that kind of like looked everywhere and did everything they could not to look at the chocolate, you know, because they were determined not to give in to their emotions. But um, I want to talk about the AQ level, the adversity quota, because God has given many people adversities, <laughs> like opportunities, but they come dressed in a different clothing. Adversity. And uh, even in the business world, the corporate world, they're realizing now when they choose a leader, they choose someone to put in a serious position, they not only test their IQ and their EQ, but they test their AQ level. And they put them together in teams to work out uh, problems together, problem-solving teams. And what they do is they, on purpose, towards the end of that team thing, they throw in a curveball, something that's unexpected. And they watch the reaction of their potential leaders, of their potential managers. Some of them would get so insulted, irate and upset. How could I possibly fix this? Well, this is jolly ridiculous. I've had it. I'm out of here. And some just, uh, you know, just uh, shut down. Just, uh, you know, analysis paralysis. Just, uh, it's just too much. But on occasion, they find someone who says, okay. This might look tough and it might even look impossible. Let's, let's, just, let's just have a look again at the figures. Let's come at it from another angle. Let's see if we can't rework this whole problem. And they don't lose their cool and they don't chuck in the towel and they don't spit the dummy, but they start to come at it from a different angle. I want to speak about the AQ level, handling the adversities of life, because by and large, how we handle adversity will determine how much we walk in our destiny, the pressures of life. And one of the things that God does is he does use pressure to prepare us. He uses adversity. We can all praise God on a happy, clappy day when there's money in the bank and the kids are all well and, and then the husband's all fine and, and everything's going well. But uh, God is looking for people that he can um, trust no matter what's going on. Amen? And I believe that he has been road testing the church because he's about to bring people into such a mighty place of destiny. And uh, I'm somebody that, um, you know, was somebody who did not handle pressure very well. And um, in fact, I was someone who ran from pressure. So God had to work overtime in my life. And one of the things was, um, well, ever since, uh, I guess, um, ever since I was very young, I ran from problems. I uh, went down to Sydney to work at one, uh, soon after I left school and started working and, and I worked in an insurance company and, um, and it was very hard. Sydney is a big place. Anyone here been to Sydney? It's a very, oh my gosh, gosh, you're all well-traveled. <laughs> Isn't it a big place? Well, when I got a job, it was very hard to find a park and I, I was riding a motorbike at the time. And so, <laughs> and so I had this one spot I would park in. Unfortunately, it was illegal. And so I would just collect my parking tickets every week. Because <laughs> I didn't know where else to park. It was such a big place. Quite a time later when I left Sydney, I had a big pile of parking tickets. You know, that was a long time before I was saved and they never did find me. But anyway, <laughs> can we just scrap that and I hated facing authority figures. People intimidated me. So when, when I wanted to leave that job, I was too scared to resign. So I just never went back. <laughs> I, just, I figured after a couple of weeks, they'd know I'd moved on. <laughs> so I hated facing problems. <laughs> My dear mother, who had had a lot of problems herself, when I got upset, she would give me Valium. <laughs> she often did my homework for me. <laughs> In fact, the convent I went to, the nuns... I was a convent. I was a very good convent girl. I only took drugs on the weekend. No. <laughs> and um, anyway, uh, I remember this particular uh, end of term. The nun made me stand up and said, Faileen, I can't believe 
that you, as your mother wrote a note that you were sick every Friday this term because we had sewing. I hated sewing. <laughs> I was left-handed and uh, it, just, it just was all too much. And so I just ran away from my problems. So when I came to the Lord and got saved and asked Jesus into my life and thought now it's just going to be a bed of roses all the way. But you see, God loved me too much to leave me the way I was. And uh, he, he just you know, brought things around about that I had to confront. I had to face my fears. I had to face my, uh, look at, you know, deal with responsibilities and all those things. And um, I've told a lot of my testimony at the women's event, but just suffice, suffice to say I was a single mum who um, um, married an insane man and was <laughs> married for about 13 years, was divorced and on my own for another six years. And then, um, and then I found Jeff Sparks. Anyway, when I married Jeff, I want to say this, old habits die hard. And at home I had my uh, children, my um, two children, my eldest girl had left home, and my son my, was my baby. And so I had said to Jeff, now, you cannot correct my children. <laughs> In fact, I was very foolish. I actually sat him down before we were married and I said, I don't want you interfering with uh, my ministry, my children, or my... <laughs> anyway, we did have this um, agreement that until they learned to love him and respect him, any problem he had, he could tell me and I would tell them. Now, my children were never trained in anything. And Jeff was like the super trainer from, you know, the kids had a nickname for him called Commando Jeff. <laughs> in fact, uh, after we got married and, 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 he, and he had this thing on the fridge and the kids all said, Mum, what's a roster? What's a roster? And uh, I said, humour humor him, he'll get over it. <laughs> but he didn't. And so one of the things was that he was determined to see my son grow up. Well, I wanted to protect my son. And, and unfortunately, in my mothering, I wasn't doing too much good. I was just doing what I probably had done to me. One of the things my son would do was forget his key. And then he was about 15 at the time, and so he would come home and... Um, and uh, Jeff would say, where's your key? And he'd say, oh, I don't know. Oh, that'd be whatever. And I'd be saying, leave the boy alone. Don't pick on Lawrence. He's just like me. It's okay. <laughs> anyway, I'd be going to Jeff and, to Lawrence and say, where's your key? He'd say, I don't know, Mum. I'd take my key off and say, here, have that one. And then I'd sneak Jeff's key off and I'd go and get another one cut. <laughs> and I'd, I was forever. And uh, then we would be going out for the day and Jeff would say to me, now... If Lawrence rings up, we're not going home early to let him in because he forgot his key. Because we get these calls saying, Mum, can you come home? I'm locked out. And, um, and, uh, and so we, we'd have this running thing and, and we had some big altercations, Jeff and I. Anyway, um, Jeff would say, now just hang your keys up here. Hang your keys up here. And I'd be, stop picking on the kid, you know. And um, anyway, one night he came home about quarter to ten, walked in the door and Jeff said, where's your key? He said, oh, I think I left it in Harry's car. He said, quick, get in the car, we're going around to Harry's. He said, it's quarter to ten. I'm saying, I can't believe you're doing that to Lawrence. I went round to Harry's place, got the key. And then after a time, I watched Lawrence slowly walk into the house and stop and, and, and hang his keys up. And uh, this is sort of like ebbed and flowed. But after Lawrence left school, he, um, he wasn't terribly ambitious straight up and so his main priorities were girls, skateboarding and trying to earn money. Anyway, so what happened was he got a job in a surf clothing company because he loved surfing and uh, just uh, helping out, uh, you know, he was um, just uh, a storeman there. One day he came home and he held up a bunch of keys and he said, guess what, Mum? I've been promoted. It's my job to lock up and unlock the shop. I looked at those keys and I thought, thank you, Jeffrey. Thank God that he was hounded, that he was hassled. And if I'd have had my way, I would have just stopped all that. You see, God wants to give you the keys of the kingdom. He wants to give you the keys of your destiny. And he's been on your case about some stuff. 
And it's not that he's a hard taskmaster. He wants to give you so much more. Praise God. I'm not, I, I might kill one of your kids if I throw up from here. <laughs> here you go. He wants to give you the keys of the kingdom. And so I want us to have a look at a scripture here because God is preparing us in a great way for the destiny he has. And I want to turn to something in the life of David in 1 Samuel chapter 25. And I want to read a scripture there. And it says in 1 Samuel 25 and reading in verse 28. 1 Samuel 25. Apparently in preaching school you have to say, the text three times as we turn to 1 Samuel 25, verse 28. <laughs> I want to read our text for tonight, and it's there. And uh, it is a word for David, and David is going through a tough time. And the word is this, verse 28, The Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring sure house, because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord, and evil is not found in you all your days. And though men have risen to pursue you and seek your life, but the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord and the lives of your enemies he shall sling out as from the pocket of a sling. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you that the entrance of your word brings light and it brings life. Lord, I thank you that you're preparing people for what you have prepared for them. Lord, that there is an awesome new season and you have been working overtime to get people to a place where they can walk in the destiny that you have determined. So, Father, I pray that you would release your grace tonight and, Lord, you would anoint this word for people to be um, able to walk forward because of understanding, because of insight, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. David uh, went through a tough time and, um, you know, if I cooked something and Jenny or Denise said, that, cooks, that tastes great. I heard there's some good cooks in this church. Give us a wave, Jenny and Denise. Yay. Woo-hoo. Now, if they said, that was a beautiful casserole, you can trust that that really was a beautiful casserole. Or if I was a decorator... Uh, decorating my house and, and putting up pictures and that. And Dot or Jen said, you've decorated that well. Then I would be really complimented. I would be really blessed. Now, when God said about David, this is a man after my own heart, this man really captures my attention. If there's one person I want to lift up and say, this man is a man after my own heart, then we can take notice of it. Amen. If God the creator said that about David. And so David went through a tough time and he went through his toughest time. If you read 1 Samuel 20, 22 to 1 Samuel 30, it basically covers what we call the wilderness years. And David, who is, um, you know, he kills Goliath and God will allow your anointing to show up for a period of time, but it's not licensed to rule. It doesn't mean you're ready to rule. And I want to say this, God's got a preparation process for each one of us. And you can do one year's preparation for 20 years mediocre ministry, or you can do 20 years preparation for three years that'll change a nation, it'll change a generation, amen? But do not leave the womb of preparation prematurely. Do not cut short the the preparation process. Stay in the womb of preparation until God releases you. And David is taken through a process where he's in not just one wilderness, but if you do a study, he is in several wildernesses. And and sometimes God will pour you from vessel to vessel and cause you to go into different situations to address the, the, the reactions that are within us. And he was in the wilderness of Ziph, that means the refining place. He was in the wilderness of Engedi, that means the pruning of the palm. Ouch. He was in the wilderness of Hareth, that means the forest and the trees, where you can't see the forest for the trees. He was in several wildernesses. And God will cause you and I to go through processes to strengthen us. Even the Bible says, fear not thou worm, Jacob. I looked that up to think that God really called him a worm. It actually says maggot. <laughs> in the um, concordance. But you know when a butterfly, um, how a butterfly becomes a butterfly, it's a, it's a worm, the grub that spins a cocoon. And in that dark, tight place, it becomes what it's meant to be. And if you 
actually help that butterfly by tearing open the cocoon, it will never ever fly. Because in the struggle, the strength comes into the wings. And some of the things that you're going through, some of the things that are challenges, are ordained of God to platform and, and propel you and springboard you into success. Amen? And so he was in these tight places. But if you read the Psalms, every place he was in, he was in the cave of Adullam. He's writing a psalm. He's running from the... the, 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 the uh, uh, soldiers of Saul, he's writing a psalm. He's saying, I'm going to praise my God. It doesn't matter how tough this is, I'm going to worship God. He's writing a psalm. He's praising God. His reactions are great. But there came a time when he didn't write a psalm, when he couldn't write a psalm. And it was a tough time. He'd been uh, hunted from pillar to post. And what had happened was his best friend and mentor and father in the faith, Samuel, dies. Samuel dies and, and uh, he, he's in a tight place. And his, he and his men are still being treated as outlaws. Many of the wealthy landowners believed the lies of Saul that David was a usurper, that he was just out to build his own kingdom. And so he only still had the original 400 men that were with him in the cave of Adullam. He is, he is a, a bit of a battler. He doesn't know where his next meal is coming from. He's crossing the field of a wealthy man, a wealthy Calebite called Nabal. Nabal, his name means obstinate fool. Bit of a clue there. And he, he is very wealthy and he has a wife called Abigail. Her name means the father of joy. And as he's crossing the field of Nabal, where there's lots of um, expanse and they have sheep and, and his men help protect the sheep herders from the Philistines. There are many marauding Philistines and as they're there, these um, sheep um, herders um, who normally can be attacked by Philistines, David and his men protect them. And so what happens is, as they come to that time of crossing and, and, and there's a big feed, a big celebration that Nabal's putting on for his shearers, David sends his men to get some food. And he said, now you go and ask Nabal's men and you be really polite and say, look, um, David, your son David, your servant David, very gracious, he said, you know, we just need a few Big Macs, some French fries, some Coke, <laughs> whatever, some hog's breath, whatever. Just, uh, you know, if he could just uh, give us some food. And, you know, he's in a tough place. He's been stretched. He's been under pressure. The Bible says that Nabal and his men rear up and they get very... Um, Nabal actually says, who the heck's David? A lot of men are breaking away from their masters this day. Why should I give what's mine for my men and give it to that no-hoper? There's a lot of outlaws out there. A lot of people think they've got a call from God. A lot of people think that they're going to uh, do something great for God. He needs to get back there under Saul. You know, he says, get out of here. I'm not going to give you anything. The men turned on their heels. Very interesting way of put, term, turning it. They turned on their heels and they went back to David and they told David what had happened. David does not write a psalm. David does not start praising God. He actually has had, in, in Aussie terms, he's had a gutful. And he has just had it. And uh, this that just really pressed his buttons. So he says, saddle up, boys. Get your swords. We are going to kill Nabal. I'm going to kill every young man in that household. I've had it. No more, Mr. Nice Guy. I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. I'm going to kill him. And I want to say this, David was being prepared to be a king. He was being prepared to be an example through the ages to you and I. But he was not yet ready to be king. Because Jesus Christ, the Lord, was not Lord of his life yet. And I want to say this, when you lose it, you lose ground. He, God was going to put him on a throne and lead the children of Israel into their golden years. But at the moment, this is, uh, this is a place where God put him under pressure and what came to the, And God didn't go, oh, gosh, sorry, I made a mistake. I have to wipe you, David. No, you see, God knew that was there. And David had this anger. He had this frustration. And he, the Bible says, he says these words, Surely in vain have I protected all this man has. So here the David that was writing Psalms is now saying, what's the use? What good is it if I come to church? What good is it if I honour God, I pay my tithes and all this stuff's going wrong? What's the use? I'm just going to chuck in the towel. And I want to say that 
Don't give up on the brink of a breakthrough. Don't give up on the brink of a new door of destiny. The pressure is on from the enemy for you to just lash out and say, oh, you know, I'm just going to chuck the towel in. I've had a gutful, you know, and, 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 and they're riding hell for leather down to kill all of the household of Nabal. This is King David. Anyway, the men get back to Abigail, say this is what's happened to Abigail. She settles up the donkeys, gets all that. She actually gets figs and raisins and... I must have been vegetarians. I would have been incredibly depressed if I was that hungry and someone turned up with a vegetarian meal. But anyway, anyway, moving right along. She intercepts David. He is just, he is just uh, no, no psalms being written here. No praise is happening here. He, he's, he just, he just uh, where are you, God? It's useless. It's pointless. I've prayed. I've believed. Nothing's going right for me. So I'm just going to react. I'm just going to react. And as he's, as he's boring down, the Bible says Abigail gets off her donkey, uh, intercepts him, throws herself down on the ground. And, um, and she says, stop, David. And then she says these words. She says, on me alone, let this be. I blame. She, she says, blame me. I take full responsibility for what happened to you. What a woman. She says, I take full responsibility. I am so sorry for what happened to you. It should never have happened. She said, Nabal, is, his name means fool, and so he is. She says, if I'd have been aware, this would never have happened. She said, here, take all this food. You know, I don't know about you, but she could have said, uh, have you got another horse? <laughs> she could have said, I'll help you pick him out. <laughs> she could have said, you think you're having a bad day. Try living with him. <laughs> she could have kept really quiet and said, thank you, God. <laughs> oh, happy day. <laughs> she could have done all that. But she didn't. She went in, stood in the gap. And the Bible says that she began to prophesy into his life. And I believe God wants to bring a word into your life tonight. God has got a word of breakthrough. He's got a word of encouragement. And she begins to say these words, David, she says, stop. And then she begins to, I'll just read it there in Isaiah, I'm sorry, 1 Samuel 25. And uh, she says there, as she gets down off her horse, she says, um, Verse 26, thank God that the Lord has withheld you from shedding innocent blood for avenging yourself. She is assuming a great deal of responsibility that this soon-to-be king would listen to a farmer's wife. But she said, oh, I'm already believing God, that believing that you will not shed innocent blood. And then she begins to prophesy the word of the Lord. For the Lord will certainly make for my Lord a sure house, an enduring house. And God wants you to know he's going to cause your family to be a sure house, that your church is going to be an enduring house, that it is not just for you, but it's for your children and your children's children. And God was raising up a king that thousands of years later, we could listen and read the things that he did, that he could be an example to all of us. Amen. And I want to say, it's not just about today. And God will test us with pressure. You know, when a cake is being cooked, the Bible says, I've chosen you in the furnace of affliction. The FOA. I spend time in the FOA. When a cake's being cooked and the oven is opened and it's hot, the cook gets a skewer and puts it into the middle of the cake. And if it's still wet, then they shut the door and it stays in there. And God goes, mm, no guts yet. <laughs> they say when a pottery vessel is put in a kiln and the bible says i'm the potter you're the clay when the pottery vessel is put into the kiln the potter knows when that clay vessel is ready because it throws off a certain hum god draws near to our life and if we're kind of squalling and bawling and and, and angry <laughs> Holy Ghost, just come over here and wait. And he comes and draws near and he hits, singing in the rain, just singing in the pain. Are they ready? Come on out. And see, David was going through this pressure and the word of the Lord was this, but the life of my Lord, that you're going through the, the you're fighting the Lord's battles. God's interested that you and I would know how to stand strong in the evil day, how to face the difficulties of life without 
throwing in the towel without thinking that he doesn't care. And then she says some interesting words. She says, but the life of my Lord will be bound in the bundle of the living and your enemies are going to be flung out like out of a slingshot. She's saying, don't forget you're a giant killer. Just because you're in this season, don't forget you're called to be a giant killer. And I read that when the word of God said that your life is being bound as a living bundle. And I thought, well, that's pretty ho-hum. Oh, you're just bundling up my life. I'm just a bundle. Because in our society, we say things like, I'm going to bundle up the kids and take them home. Or we say, um, there's a bundle of old clothes I'm going to drop off at the, you know, St. Finney's. Or um, I really dropped me bundle. Or we say things like, I was a bundle of nerves. <laughs> bundle is not a nice thing to be. And I'm bundling up your life. But I looked it up in the Hebrew and I was thrilled because you know what it means? And if you've got a new living translation, it would have saved me a lot of tr trouble. It means treasure pouch. And a bundle was what a traveler would keep on himself when he was traveling to a distant land and he would put his valuables, his jewels, he would put his money in his bundle, in his treasure pouch. Number two, in ancient Judah, you will find this term on many headstones, many tombstones. It says, uh, we'll say, in the life of so-and-so, may they be bound in the bundle of the living in the love and care of the Lord. I want to say this, my mum died last year and what you put on a person's plaque, a person's tombstone, is very precious. And what God is saying is that we are integrated at those times. That's the time that we draw near to him. That's the time that we let our life wrap around his. Number three, a shepherd, when his sheep are coming back in, he would count them through stones um, in his pocket. And as each sheep came home, he would put it in what he called his bundle. God wants you to know when you're going through those tough times that that's the time you're getting integrated, that your soul and your emotions and your heart is, is being entwined with the Lord and it's precious to him. It's a treasure. You'll find the same word in the book of Matthew when it says, when you pray, go into your closet. That same word means, it means um, safety deposit box. Later on became so familiar a term, it got referred to as bedroom and then closet. That when you draw aside to pray and you say, God, I don't know what's going on, you're becoming a treasure. Amen? And, and I believe for many of you here tonight, you're in God's, this is a treasure pouch. It's a treasure pouch. And when you're, when you're there saying, I don't know what's happening, but I'm going to keep walking through those doors and lift up holy hands. God's saying, oh man, look at the treasure John's becoming. Look at the treasure Mary's becoming. Look at the jewel as they keep pursuing me. And they could throw in the towel. And I know it's tough for them, but they keep coming to me and they're becoming this wonderful jewel. And God wants you to know tonight that you are a precious treasure to him. And when you don't think anything's happening and when it feels like, well, is he even listening to me? Absolutely. He's saying, oh, what a treasure. Though they're still praising me. They're still trusting me. Though the fig tree hasn't blossomed yet and nothing seems to be happening. They're in the house of God. They're not chucking in the towel. And then she said these words in 1 Samuel 25. And it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you ruler over Israel that this will be no grief to you nor offense to heart that you avenged yourself. And she said, and it shall come to pass. Hallelujah. Talk to someone and tell them it shall come to pass. Tell someone else it shall come to pass. Turn to someone else and say, it's going to get a whole lot better. Turn to someone else and say, it's going to get a whole lot better. It's going to get a whole lot better. It shall come to pass. It shall come to pass. It shall come to pass. It shall come to pass when the Lord has done some of the good. No, all the good, all the good, all the good that he has promised. Hallelujah. And some of you here haven't seen a whole lot of good. Up to now, not to the degree God wants to do. 
But her word that she prophesied, that she spoke into his life at that time, a pivotal point, a turning point in David's life, God was about to open the doors of destiny and promote him and set him on a throne. Hallelujah. But he was being road tested. You can't have a king that's reacting and losing his temper. So God put him under pressure. He said, sorry, I've got to road test you. I've got to road test you. You see, Jesus said this, the devil's come, but he's got no landing strips. There's no buttons in me to press. God wants to bring us to a place where the devil can't press your buttons. We're not dropping our bundle in self-pity. We're not angry with God. He's not doing it as quick as we want. I want to say this, if you can't wait, God can't use people who can't wait. Sometimes we have to wait on the Lord and be of good cheer. Wait patiently upon the Lord. Faith and patience cause us to inherit the promises. There's a great inheritance many of you are about to step into. And God's put the pressure on because he's about to open a huge door of promotion, a huge door of breakthrough. And she said those words, when the Lord has done all the good according to his word and made you king and ruler over all Israel... This, this, this farmer's wife had more faith than David at that time. Where was she to know all that? Oh, we've been sitting at home watching Days of David. As, <laughs> as the world turns upside down and the bold and the stupid and the wild and the reckless. <laughs> I tell you what, she was keeping in tune with God. Hallelujah. And in a less than ideal situation, she's bringing the word of the Lord to a coming king. Hallelujah. She said, when the Lord has done all the good that he has promised and brought you forth as king and ruler over all of Israel, you won't look back and, and let this, and this would be a regret. Better the pain of discipline than the pain of regret. God doesn't want you to waste three or four years as you spit the dummy or throw the towel in and comfort your soul in other ways. But to say, God, hope thou in God, O my soul. You know what David did? He listened and he said, thank you. I want to say this, a good person will receive correction. A great person will thank you for it. A good person will receive correction. A great person will thank you for it. Feedback is the breakfast of champions. Correction is not rejection. We need to be able to say, would you speak into my life? Can you, can you, can you help me? Hone in. Can you help me grow stronger? Can you see something that, that I can work on? Now, you ask someone safe. <laughs> Not someone that's, uh, well, I'm glad you asked. I've got the list, you know, and you walk out devastated. <laughs> and sometimes, um, husbands and wives, we need to be gentle. <laughs> but he thanked her. He, thanked, he said, thank you. He said, I, I, was, I, was, I was hell bent on having, just, just having a field day. But, you know, I hear what you're saying. And see, I have taken heed to your word and I'm going back. The Bible says that she went home and her husband, who was backslidden, Calebite, Israelite, he was drunk. And he was uh, uh, drunk. So he, the next morning, when he's stone cold sober, Abigail comes up to him and she says, Caleb, I'm not Caleb, what was his name? Nabal, obstinate fool. Nabal, she said, you came within an inch of losing your life. And I had to go and apologise for your stupidity and the comments and what you did nearly cost the life of every male in our household. But I had to go and apologise for it. The Bible says he got so angry, he had a stroke. And ten days later he died. Now this is not a scripture that you put on your fridge. <laughs> that God will bump off all your enemies, okay? <laughs> and the Bible says David heard what happened, sent for Abigail, and she became his wife, and she became part of a move of God in the earth. But her name is Father of Joy. I believe he got you linked to joy in a new way. There was one more time when God road tested him at Ziglag. One other time of pressure where chips were down 
his men had um, gone through tremendous grief and they were going to stone him. But you don't hear him chucking the towel and you don't see him going, oh, what's the use? Nothing works for me. I've prayed. I've tried. No. Because something happened here. The Bible says he encourages himself in the Lord. He said, well, I go after them. God says, D-Day, you've come, you've passed with flying colours. You'll recover all. Saul is killed in battle and David is promoted. I want to say this. God's going to open major doors of promotion. Amen? You're becoming a treasure to the Lord. The life of my Lord will be bound, yoked. We're integrated. It's what we do under pressure, that we go to God and we say, God, I know it, it doesn't feel like anything's happening and, and I, I can't see any different, but Lord, my eyes are upon you. I'm putting my trust in you. I will not forsake the house of God. I will not forsake the God that's been faithful to me. Amen? Let's just stand right now and could I have the musicians come and we're just going to worship the Lord and, and I appreciate you giving me, oh, lots of time. <laughs> Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, no, I need it a bit longer. Thank you. Amen. Let's just worship God. I want us just to, just to begin to sing. God wants you to know he's making... This house is making Miracle Center a sure house, an enduring house, a lasting house. You know, the wine that takes the longest tastes the strongest. Cheap table wine doesn't take much to prepare. Might have a pretty label. But apparently the best wines are often put a cork in it and put in a place where they ferment and... Uh, all that fermentation and the bitterness becomes very, very sweet. Maybe you feel like you're just uh, put aside and in a place where you feel like you're forgotten. I want to say God has got an amazing plan for your life. And there have been things you've been going through, but he would say to you tonight, I'm making your house a sure house. I'm making your family an enduring family. I'm making you one that your children and your, gen your grandchildren. It was wonderful to have Mother's Day and see Pastor Mike and Joy's children and children's children all gathered around their table. And I want to say God wants to establish households here in a mighty way. And the word of the Lord is for you that he's making your house a sure house, that you're learning how to fight the Lord's battles. It's, it's a time of warfare, but your, your life is becoming a treasure. You're becoming that jewel. And I will bring to pass all the good, all the good. I want to say this tonight. The promises of God over your life are greater than any circumstance, greater than any problem, greater than any obstacle. Amen? Yeah, let's sing this tonight. We love you, Lord. We
Hallelujah. Before we go any further, I just want to give opportunity if you're here tonight and you may be invited by a friend or visitor, but uh, for some reason you might not have had the opportunity to ask Jesus Christ into your life. One of the most, the most exciting day of my life was when I prayed that prayer and I asked Jesus into my life and I was born again. Changed my life, but changed my life for my children. Changed my life for my daughter. Mom, Dad, it's not just about you. It's about the little ones. It's about those around about you. The people that you're going to influence for good or for eternity. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you would like to ask Jesus into your heart, if you say, yes, Lord, I want to be born again. I want to receive Jesus as my Savior. I want you just to slip up your hand until I see it and then put it down again. And I'll see that hand and, and uh, slip up your hand. And if there's a hand up and I don't see it, please give me a wave and point to it so I'll know. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, right now, I want you just looking this way tonight. There are many here, and you know what it is to go through the preparation process. And I believe tonight God wants you to just bundle up all those experiences, all those emotions, all those questions, all those disappointments, all those pressures, and just bring them to the Lord. Because I believe He wants to cause uh, an integration at this time. He wants to cause such a a coming together of your heart and his. He wants to connect you with a new spirit of joy. In some of the things that we've been through have buffeted our hope. And God wants to release over those who feel like they've lost a measure of their joy. You love God, but it seems like the joy. It seems like that there was some things left field that you didn't think were going to happen. But tonight, God wants to release a new joy. He wants to release a new hope. Amen? And I believe He wants you to just bundle up all those experiences of, of this present, of this past season, because He wants to release us into a new day. Amen? And He wants us to go into that new day praising and rejoicing and delighting in God, knowing that He has said He's going to bring to pass all the good that He has promised. Amen? All the good. And if that's you tonight, I just invite you to come. If you've known there's been pressure, just to bundle up those emotions, those feelings, those pressures, because God is going to cause them to be just molded and shaped into such a jewel. Hallelujah. You come tonight because I want to say this. There's a Davidic generation that's emerging. There's a Davidic generation that's been in that place of preparation. And you're like a treasure and you're in the treasure pouch of the Lord. And he's saying, look at this one. They are so valuable because they've been going through all this stuff and they haven't chucked in the towel. They haven't quit. They haven't, but the pressure's been on them. Hallelujah. You just come, maybe a small area, maybe a big area. But I want to say this, if it's big to you, it's big to God. If it's important to you, it's important to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.